To make the resurrection accounts even more believable, John reports that a very specific woman, that is one who had in fact been physically ill, emotionally unstable, and mentally insane for much of her life, was the first person to see and speak with Jesus after he was raised. Again, this tells us that the authors didn't massage the story to make it more palatable. They didn't edit the facts. This isn't clickbait or fake news trying to draw us in only to trick us. The authors of scripture simply reported the facts. In this week's sermon, Pastor Kelly preached on John 21 to 18, detailing Mary Magdalene's response to the resurrection of Jesus. Today, we'll be discussing these verses and more. Stay tuned from Glen Ellen Bible Church. I'm Matt Marone. I'm John Vanderbilt. I'm Beth Moss. And I'm Kelly Brady, and this is episode number 195 of the Next Level Podcast. Oh, I need to mark my calendar for five weeks from now to wear my shirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll remind you guys the next level shirt. <laughs> five the, five podcasts from now will be our two hundred. I still have some shirts left. <laughs> large no, large as an extra. No, he's got forty five shirts left. We, I've given forty away. Wow. Forty to people no, you who didn't even forty upon people. <laughs> <laughs> so let me know if you want one. Okay. Easter. Easter. Yesterday. I'm yeah. feeling it. You guys are going to have to lead this discussion. <laughs> I am tired today, man. I bet, because you guys did Good Friday services. Somebody, somebody said, so asked me, Kelly preached two Good Fridays. Kelly preached Thursday recording, two Good Fridays, uh, and four on Sunday. Yeah. You did all that. That's yeah. a lot. It's good for me. Somebody should have done Good reps. Friday, probably. <laughs> You could have given. It was given. spring break. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, so it was good for me. So. But do you feel it? Do you feel tired from that? I don't today. I was pretty low yesterday afternoon. Yeah. Tried to lay down. And it was one of those uh, where you're trying to fall asleep and your body keeps convulsing, jerking, your, <laughs> jerking you awake. I you're did that so once. tired that uh-huh. you can't fall asleep type yeah. of yeah. thing. Yeah. I, I laid down and I did not sleep. Yeah. I was just laying on the couch. And that, that jerk thing happened one time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so weird. <laughs> hey, what was our attendance yesterday? Uh, it was a lot. Ball, ballpark. A, a uh, lot for COVID. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I can look it up because just got the information here a second ago. Despite how we felt afterwards, it felt like the energy level was pretty consistently high all four I thought it was good. Uh Yeah, it was really good. I thought From everyone, not just like people on the platform, but just from everybody. I'm not saying that. I feel like the people responded to the the directive to let your mouth profess what your heart's believing Mm -hmm. and let, you know, let Easter be a time where you're, we're really preaching to one another through song. Mm -hmm. It's nice when the application happens right after you say it. Yeah. yeah. Instead it, of it I'm going to go home and this week I'm going to think right. about it. It's like we're doing it right now. Yeah. yeah. That was nice. That was good. But all four services were full at max, right? Uh, yeah. The, the third service was kind of weird. It was it was our fullest registration, like the, the highest number of registrations that we had of any of the services. But it was our lowest attendance. So we actually had a, uh, quite a few folks that um, that registered but didn't come. 
Mm. Which is a little Ooh. bit frustrating. It is a little frustrating. Yeah, my family we, couldn't get in. Yeah, I was just going to say. We missed it. We're we, too big. We were turning, uh, I know, multiple families that got turned away mm-hmm. from that 1015 service. And then to run the service and still have like 20 seats is frustrating. Mm-hmm. So that is a reminder to everybody listening. If you register and you cannot make it, please cancel your registration or email the church or or call me or anybody on staff. And it's really easy to get you unregistered and open those spots for somebody Mm -hmm. else. Yeah, that was hard because we had people wanting to get in and the register showed full and Mm -hmm. uh, Uh. they, they didn't get in. So I, on the bright side, on the, on the high side, I was super encouraged. We had a number of families who had registered for prime spots, 10, 15 spots, nine o'clock spots, and realized that um, if they moved their registration to 7.45 a.m. and did the little uncomfortable, uh, you know, time frame, yeah. that they would free up spots in those more convenient time frame. And I was so encouraged that we had mm-hmm. some families that did that. Yeah. You got your kids to a 7.45 service. College age kids. Like, mm-hmm. wow, you rule. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. yesterday, that's props. Wow. That was great. Yeah, but then you have the whole day. I mean, we we actually are. That was our first choice. Was the seven forty five? It was full, Um, Uh, and then there were four spots left in the eleven thirty, and we're seven. So (laughs) you could have come, but we kind of figure, you (laughs) You know, like we'd rather. I know a guy. I know a guy. I almost did, especially because you were up serving. Well, but we also figure like we'd rather people come that wouldn't normally come, or you know, we're we're kind of happy. You'll make that same decision for those same people. Oh. Those literal same people. <laughs> we won't be registering a year from now, will I we? I hope <laughs> not. I hope we're not registering two months from now. But That's a I good hope. goal. Three months from now, we're not registering. That'd be awesome. Which, speaking of three months from now, worship in the park, is that going to happen this year? We are just talking about we that We just were talking about it today. It is still on the schedule. Okay. Um, we just reached 6th. out to the, uh, the park district just mm-hmm. to make sure we're still all good. A few right. months ago, we were still all good. Uh-huh. We got the contract. We got the spots June 6th. All right. And so we're just trying to figure out if there's any restrictions or anything. Mm-hmm. And we'll know more on that in the, in the day or two. Great. And any yep. talk of com- bringing back parking, parking lot, lot worship? worship? Right now we are, so July 4 is a Sunday. Uh-huh. So right now we're, we're thinking that... Um, July 4th will for sure be an out. We'll do like one kind of larger outdoor service and do it in the parking lot that day. Since July 4th is tricky with vacation and travel and All things like that. All but the parade might go right through the church service. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sunday morning, the 9 a.m. Glen Allen Parade, Sunday morning. It does, is that no. a thing? No. Oh, it doesn't. There <laughs> is a 4th of There's July parade in Glen Allen. It would probably happen on a Saturday, I think the 3rd. I think what yeah, I've Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I don't is, remember. Yeah, they're going to move stuff around because mm-hmm. it's Sunday, but... So that's what we're thinking. And in terms of other days or whatever, we just don't know. Mm-hmm. Don't know yet. Very cool. It's kind of tough. But at least worship world, it's tough because we can't really do what we would like to do mm-hmm. outside. So it, it's a little restricting. It's nice to be outside. It's nice yeah. to have everybody there at one service. Mm-hmm. And our neighbors oh, right. put up with us. Yeah. yeah. And we did a lot of... Some hey. are more, uh, truly, some are more patient than others. And, and yes. are, we have some neighbors that aren't eager for us to be leading worship in the parking yeah. lot. And there's, yeah. there's, they have some valid. Yeah. Sure. You know, if you think about it, oh, you yeah. know, in your backyard every yeah. single Sunday, oh, yeah. and we got louder yeah. and louder, uh-huh. and we got more and more people. And yeah. So we want to be good neighbors at for the same sure. time. So 
Those are all good points. I forgot we called it Worship in the Park Ing Lot. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. Some called it that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so it was a good Easter. Yeah. It was good. Yeah, it looked like we were, we were about 460 or 470 people. It's great. All in for what the day. What would be uh, like pre-COVID when there oh, weren't restrictions? Yeah. Beth, why do you make us so sad when asking these questions? <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't ask. We were over a thousand. Okay. To so last Easter was video only. Video only, yeah. and it was like a month into COVID. Yeah. So that that one, you kind of the video, you know, numbers are huge, but you don't you don't know. Right. But then the year before that, I think we were eleven hundred, mm-hmm. eleven hundred people all in the building. I just, you just forget we, how many people Easter? run through here. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's yeah. We had the welcome center online on Easter Sunday <laughs> with broadcast with ninety seats out in the welcome center. The conference room was full for two services mm-hmm. watching as well. So mm-hmm. it, I think it was like I'd have to go back in my notes and look, but it was like almost twelve hundred, eleven one thousand one hundred and ninety people or something like that. In twenty nineteen. Yeah. Wow. But then it's still so encouraging to have 400 here. Okay. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's yeah. the beauty of it is yep. like w- you can see the huge progression yep. in how things have gone. I thought the Good Friday services went really well, too. Mm-hmm. It was it was fun to add another one. I mean, yeah. we had kind of planned on just one it. and we needed we it. And yeah. it wasn't yeah. just like, oh, a few people came. Like no, both it services was, were. Yeah, it was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, all right. Well, let's get into some questions. Let's do it. All right. Question number one. Why did Kelly put so much emphasis on not causing our salvation? Felt a little forced. He said we are to participate, but what's the difference and does it really matter? Can we really say for sure who is doing what in the process of salvation? Yeah, I don't, you know, anytime we talk about salvation, I, I, I want to talk about as best I can. I want to talk about it accurately and um, we have a strong theology around at Glenelg Bible Church that we're not saving ourselves, that God's saving us. And so I do think we can talk with theological accuracy about the process. Um, and so we take it right out of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, uh, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So we know that salvation is something God is doing. He's saving us. It's not by our works that we are saved. It's, it's not something we are securing. It's something we are, we are receiving from him, which isn't to say we're passive. And that's what I want to highlight when I talk about uh, salvation and the process of salvation. There is actually a, a historic theological discussion describing the order of salvation, and it often talks about it in in seven or eight steps. In fact, you can Google it, just Google the order of salvation, and it'll pop up. There's a wiki article about it that's fairly accurate, and it'll give you the history of the debate, and it's even got Latin terminology around it, which gives you a sense of the, the historic uh, nature of it, the ordu, I, I don't, forgot my Latin, ordu salutis, anyway, means the order of salvation. And so you you just get the sense that this is a longstanding historic debate about what really is going on. And it's it's taken from verses, uh, for example, like Romans 8, 
where Paul writes, for those whom he foreknew, step one, the foreknowledge of God, he also predestined, step two, the predestination work of God. He predestined them to be conformed to the image of his son and those whom he predestined, he also called, step three. And those whom he called, he justified. Those he justified, he glorified. And so the notion here is that there, there is a work of God going on. He's doing it, but we participate in it. And, um, and so I just wanted to highlight that. We're not passive. I said on Sunday, it's, it's not like getting struck by lightning. It's, it's not something um, that we only receive. It is something that we receive. And when we receive it, we act upon it. So that's all I wanted to highlight. We participate. And one of the ways we participate, and we noted this in our little intro comments, one of the ways we participate is to open our mouths and uh, profess with our mouth what our heart is believing. And, and that's a part of the salvation experience. How do, how do you take um, the first part of, of that Romans 8 verse uh, that he foreknew? How do you how do you explain that to somebody? What is God? What is Paul saying about that God foreknew, and He also pre and then He predestined? What is the foreknew in that process? How do how would you? I would say it speaks to God's omniscience, His all knowing capacity. So there's a there's a long standing debate about the foreknowledge of God. Uh, does it mean that we're puppets? I don't think it does. But with regard to salvation, in other words, we make the mistake as humans sometimes of believing that all decisions are of the same quality or category. So what I ate for breakfast this morning, granola, we would be tempted to say is a decision on par with all of the decisions. In other words, it's an act of the will to choose what I'm going to eat. And I'm, right. I have the freedom to choose what I'm going to eat on Sunday morning. But it's, it is not the case that all decisions or all acts of the will are of equal weight. We wouldn't, we'd certainly not say that who I choose to marry is the same as what I ate for breakfast or where I go to right. college. So, when, we, when it comes to foreknowledge, I believe that Paul's addressing a category of human behavior that is unlike any other category, and, and it has to do with the saving work of God. So he knows who's going to be saved, in my opinion. Yeah. He's predestined them for salvation. And he's conforming us, these, these, it's Romans 8, 29, he's conforming those whom he's predestined and foreknown. But that doesn't mean I'm a puppet because it doesn't speak to every possible decision. Because right. you're still accountable for sin. Yes, absolutely. We know that's true as well, right? Right. So, so the foreknowledge has to do with a knowing in a particular category having to do with salvation, uh, which he is working in, and he's working it out. Uh, I would go so far as to say, yes, he knows what I'm going to eat for breakfast tomorrow morning, but he's not predestining it, because what I'm going to eat for breakfast tomorrow morning is of a whole different 
he's, he's given me freedom there. And I, I speak very, uh, I try to nuance best I can the notion of freedom when it comes to volition. Right. So I do believe I'm free to choose my breakfast cereals and what I wore today. I don't believe that salvation's on the same plane. For example, uh, I'll give you another example. I am not free to choose to fly. I, I don't. I cannot choose that. I'm not even free to choose to run a four-minute mile. I'm not free to choose to run a five-minute mile. I'm not free to choose to run a six-minute mile. Are you getting my point? There are things outside of my ability. And I think that salvation, he foreknew something because he's distinctly in charge of it. That's what Paul's getting at. Gotcha. But you'll meet with Christian theologians... Um, who, who say it differently. Right, like they'll take that to mean, well, he foreknew that you would choose it. Yeah, that I would exercise my of, free will. And that's mm -hmm. the kind of foreknowledge mm -hmm. that he, they're talking about yeah, here. Yeah, and I say he foreknew what he is distinctly in charge of and gotcha. what, he, he, okay. what he's acting on. Yeah, yeah. And I do that because of what other passages talk about when it talks about the, act, the work of God in sure. salvation. It's not it, just Romans 8. Right. Yeah. It's interesting because <clears throat> on the the question, you know, it felt a little forced. I just want to keep it reiterating that part, Kelly. It just, it just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Um, it says, he said we are to participate. And then, but what's the difference in the, in the question? So what's interesting to think about is the order of salvation, um, which is kind of mapped out and, and actually different points of view can actually agree on that order of salvation and mean different things and mean different things. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, the personal participation is in my experience and maybe you guys as well, not, not maybe necessarily in my own life. Once I look back, but in the lives of others or whatever, it's not as ordered and organized in often in our understanding and experience. So for instance, you can have people fully participating, hand-raised in worship to God and not ha be saved, <laughs> yes. not be justified. They're participating and, and belonging. And they realize it a decade later yes. when they are, in fact, saved. Correct. Or they go, I've been a part of this for so long, but I don't know if I've, if I've actually been saved. Like, yeah. I don't know if I've actually had that conversation with Jesus to say, you're the Lord and savior of my life, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, my point is that sometimes the steps for human interaction and participation and understanding can be much more cloudy and, and muddled. That's a good point. And, and the experience itself can be more meandering. It's yeah. It, mm -hmm. Right. Uh, oftentimes when somebody who's, who, who has been a Christian following Jesus, we use the term saved or an insider, um, they can look back and sort of map out the linear process. But often when you're involved in it or you're talking with someone or they're, they understand God, but they don't quite believe in Jesus or they understand this and they don't quite understand that. My point is that our participation is not always, I know absolutely nothing. Someone shares with me the gospel and now I understand mm -hmm. God's work God's saving, God's justification. Now that now I'm being sanctified and I can't wait till my glorification. <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think it's a great distinction to make. I, 
I think that we should be fully aware of the reality that we can participate in Sunday morning, week in and week out, and not be saved, not have the work of God's grace, because it's not something we cause, it's something he causes, which is not to cause a panic in any listener's ears. It's very, it's very common for people to wrestle with, am I really saved? The next thing I ask someone is, do you want to be saved? Mm-hmm. Because if you want to be saved, God will, God will, that appetite for salvation is an indication of the Holy Spirit's at work in your life. Right. It's interesting to think about, you know, people often in this conversation, what you were doing on Sunday, and in particular in this message, you were, it, it, I would put in the category of evangelism, right? You're, this is an evangelistic piece of your message. Yes. Um, and then w- what often is can be tricky is where does evangelism start and stop and where does discipleship begin? Yeah. You know what it's I mean? Good. Yeah. And so the um, often I would say as a church whole, if you look at the bulk of our conversations and the bulk of the work that we do, it's very discipleship oriented, but it doesn't mean that it's not evangelistic. My point being that sometimes people are in and participating and still needing Jesus, (laughs) still needing to understand. And so the grace of God, absolutely. Right. And my, yeah, I think my point is that oftentimes we say that's the work of evangelism. Oh, we separate that's, them. And we separate, we dissect everything. Yeah, right. And we, and we go, okay, well, here's the altar call or here's right the... Right now we're doing evangelism. Here we're doing a discipleship. And, right. And yes, you, what you, when I say that portion of your message was evangelistic, my point in it is that the rest, a lot of the rest of your message would, would be considered more discipleship. Yeah. And how the two actually aren't as separate as we, mm-hmm. as we think. Yeah. And oftentimes we're preaching to people who are moving, who may be in and cross the line of faith, which I hate all that, that terminology sometimes, but let's just use it here for, for our purposes in saved cross the line of faith, but moving away from Jesus. Yes. Mm-hmm. We also have people that are moving towards Jesus, haven't crossed the line of faith, yeah. aren't necessarily uh-huh. saved, but moving towards Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would offer, which one's, more da- which one's in more trouble? Yes. Now, if the ultimate goal is just heaven, well, clearly one is in, one, one is in and one isn't. Mm-hmm. But if the ultimate goal is glorification through sanctification... Being conformed right. to the image of Christ. Then the one that's moving away from Jesus is in dire straits right. and in, in big trouble. And the one that's making progress week by week and growing and making their way towards Jesus is like, man, let, that's, you know, well, mm-hmm. my point is yeah. we need to, te- we need to preach to both. Yeah, ah, absolutely. Well, I'm looking at this, the steps laid out and looking at sanctification and perseverance, and they seem like they could intermingle a lot. Yes. Um, and you, do they have to be separated? No, it's uh, so uh, in our podcast notes here, I've, I've outlined about eight steps in the order of salvation that I feel are outlined in scripture. And so Beth, it, it's just a, um, it's just that it's a, an, it's a recognition that sanctification is a part of it. And then perseverance of the saints is also part of it, but they happen. Sanctification happens as we persevere. Perseverance mm-hmm. is a sanctifying work of God. But I'm just trying to um, enunciate what Scripture describes as a part of the experience of 
mm-hmm. being saved. So when you talk about that, because because you did, maybe you can run through them quickly. The eight eight steps that you laid out, or is that the actual order of sanctification that you referred to in your Latin term? Yeah, well, so uh, <laughs> there is uh, some disagreement on how many steps are in the order of salvation. Okay. These are the ones I mm. I affirm, and then John made the point. There are theologians that would say the same words that that I say or we say, but mean different things by them. So the order that I have is election. That's God's foreknowledge and choosing or predestination. He, he chooses us. Second step is regeneration. That's actually the work of God to bring us to new life because we're dead in our sins and trespasses. Scripture says. Mm-hmm. So he's actually bringing us to new life, which is a fascinating to think about. You could, and I, this is the case, you could be born again and not yet converted, which is for me the third step. Conversion's when you actually profess with your mouth what you've experienced internally. So forgive me here. If we're keeping a tally, here comes the born again <laughs> comparison. <laughs> so a baby has no <laughs> volitional choice in whether to be conceived. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad elect to have a baby. That's election. Then mom Perhaps. And da- okay. In the, <laughs> right. In, so, yeah. So mom and dad choose, in this case, <laughs> to Straight have up, a baby. I got starts next week, by the way. <laughs> election. And then they, they have sexual relations and conceive regeneration. The baby's still not been asked his or her opinion. Then there's a gestation period and the baby is born and participating, but doesn't cry out until outside the womb, perceivably. Mm-hmm. That's conversion. Where the baby actually is breathing external air and walking in the new life. You following me? There's a big, a great book. I've actually thought about writing a book. So <laughs> You use this analogy a lot, too. Yes. And it makes sense. So, well, it makes sense because Jesus used it. Yeah. You must be born again. He, I actually think God formed biological uh, gestation, conception, all those steps so that we would understand what he's doing in salvation, not the converse. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so would you say that conversion is one of the steps in this that is our part of our participation? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it, so for me, man's expression of faith is conversion. That's the first thing, man. So it's all God, election, regeneration, and then man participates by professing with his mouth that he believes Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, it kind of takes us into the next question. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned that verbalizing what we believe is one way to participate in our salvation, which was helpful. I hadn't thought about it before in that way. Are there other things we are to be doing to participate in our salvation? Absolutely. There are other things we're to be doing. And I, I have a quick list here that I've put down. To be completely honest, this list is probably pages and pages potentially long. So in other words... In him we live and move and have our being, Paul writes. Mm-hmm. Everything we do ultimately as followers of Jesus is participating in his glory and goodness. His goodness towards us in Christ and bringing him glory. So ultimately we could participate 
in every action. So, uh, but let me just outline some from the New Testament. Uh, we're to nurture our faith. So once, once this baby is born, I'm talking about biological birth, they, they're born infants, then they go on to maturity. No one stays an infant. They go on to adulthood. The same is true spiritually. You must be born again, Jesus said. We're all born into infancy, spiritually speaking, and then we must grow up, go on to maturity. We go on to maturity uh, through physical and mental effort. Here we participate, and we decidedly participate. And so we, we participate, uh, for example, in trying to acquire a greater understanding of the grace shown towards us through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. So the effort to study God's Word is a way to participate. We grow in faith as we train ourselves. The book of Hebrews talks about training ourselves to, to discern the difference between good and evil, and then disciplining ourselves to consistently choose what's good. A, mature, a spiritually mature person can spot the difference between good and evil in a given situation and then can move towards what's good and away from what's evil. Uh, we grow in our faith. We participate in the saving work of God as we re renew our mind, as we're no longer conformed to the patterns of this world. We grow in our faith as we press on. Beth brought up perseverance of the saints as we press on toward the goal of being conformed to the image of Christ or we train ourselves in godliness. Here we're valuing endurance. We're, we're trying to bear more of the fruit of uh, self-discipline in our lives. We grow in our faith as we're tested by trials and we persevere. Here we value suffering. We, we agree with Jesus' words, in this world you, you will have trouble. And we don't let that discourage us. We look for a, a way in those troubles to, to be joy, joyful. Finally, we grow in our faith as we exercise the gifts of God that he's given to us, as we walk by faith rather than by sight alone. But I, I would go so far as to say life is a gift. It's a gift from God. New life in Christ is a gift. It's a gift from God. And everything we do should be a physical, mental effort to bring him glory and enjoy him more fully. Yeah, that's helpful. I think people like having a practical right. application yeah. for things. Well, we love, well, there are a lot of churches that, that um, I think confuse the gospel. And people walk out thinking, I need to strive, work really hard in order to secure salvation. Mm -hmm. That's not what we teach here. We teach that we're saved apart from anything we do. And we teach that we're saved so that we can honor God. And it's very important to get the first things first. He's saving us. Mm -hmm. And the second thing second, he's saving us so we can enjoy him and bring him glory. And we do that as we grow up in the faith, as we participate in his saving work in our lives. That's good. All right, next question. Loved, loved, loved thinking about Mary Magdalene's growth in faith, even over the course of the first Easter morning. What do we do, though, if the Holy Spirit isn't opening the minds of our friends and family to faith in the resurrection of Jesus? Yeah, one of the hard realities is if God is saving us and we're not saving ourselves, then God has got to work in our kids' lives. I think, and I'll just, you know, our kids are... He's got to work in our parents' lives. He's got to work in our friends' lives. It's not as simple as us 
for years and years and years, I thought I could convince my father to follow Jesus. And there is, arguments are valuable. There's good reason to follow Jesus and believe in the resurrection. Mm. But ultimately, that doesn't cause anybody to follow after Jesus and believe. The Holy Spirit must, must be uh, drawing people to, to faith in Christ. And so it is hard when we see our children or our family members or our friends um, apparently not being drawn by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, um, which it's very humbling to see how dependent we are for, for salvation upon the work of God. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, that what I would offer on this topic is, is pretty straightforward. It's not groundbreaking, although it is critical. I, I would say pray, uh, pray that the Holy Spirit realize that the, the most important thing we can do is pray for the salvation of others. And specifically, I would say, pray that the Lord would bring folks into our loved ones lives who will influence them, who, who the Holy Spirit will work through. Mm-hmm. I did that for many, many years with my father, uh, who was not a believer most of his life. Um, and then share is, I think it's important to live in an, an unedited life around those that we want to know Jesus, mm-hmm. which isn't to say that we, we strong arm them or, um, I know there's gotta be a given take in conversation with those who are non-believers. So I'm not saying we're we overpower them. But at the same time, believers have a tendency they can be, begin to live an edited life where we, we feel like others aren't interested, so we mm-hmm. change who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I think that that's... I find myself a lot um, just kind of internally asking the question when I'm, you know, when I'm dealing with my son or something and we're having a confrontation or I'm upset and I'll think about the words I'm going to say and I'll think like, what is what is this going to teach him about God? You mm. know what I mean? Like, I had about... a friend who just this morning uh, said, "Hey, I'm not going to be able to make the meeting. My kid's sick, and my wife is sick." And I texted back. I said, "Hey, why don't you lay hands on your children and on your wife and pray that the Lord would heal them?" And the and the reason for me is because we want our these are teaching opportunities. He's got little ones. These are teaching opportunities where we we can minister the gospel and the re- realities of the resurrection. Right there in just the everyday. And the the great thing about about it is like having that mindset is like, you know, when you blow it as a parent, and you will, you'll say something that you know as soon as it flies out of your mouth, you're like, that's going to do damage. Yeah, that's not helpful. It's no, but but it also creates an opportunity to ask for forgiveness Mm -hmm. for a, you know, 40 something year old, you know, parent to ask a nine or 10 year old for their forgiveness and to have a teaching moment mm-hmm. there about how God forgives us and mm-hmm. what God's character is like. And, you yeah, know. I think that's really powerful too. You know, when we're trying to mi- talk to people about salvation and faith, sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to get it just right and say the right thing. <laughs> Similar to how you're saying how, what are, what, <laughs> what the words that are about to come out of my mouth, how are they going to point to God? And so we can put all this pressure on ourselves to get it just right. But if it's really the work of the Holy Spirit, then we yeah. can just calm down a little bit and yeah. let, <laughs> true. God, let God do his work. <laughs> That's <laughs> how you it's live, very huh? Well, this is how I live. <laughs> yeah. I love that. But yeah. just praying and letting God take over, I'm going to I'm gonna live the way yeah. I live that sh- is glorifying to God. If, if the fruits of the Spirit are flowing through us, we're living in a way that's glorifying to God and praying for our friends, then let the Holy Spirit do the rest of it. 
That's what he's. That's we his get it. job. You that's what he it, does. You just let it fly. You just, <laughs> you just say, but you won't. Right. <laughs> so, uh, that's all kidding. Too. Just kidding. When my my father and I, had, when I was young, had some dialogue around faith matters, and um, and I, I had it's oftentimes it's very difficult, challenging to share your faith with those you're closest to mm-hmm. in your family because in our families we all know our weaknesses and. Um, Anyway, I, I can remember a time and point where I came to a realization, God loves my dad more than I do mm-hmm. and is anxious, to your point, Beth. We need some peace and we need to relax mm-hmm. at some level that, that God is answering our prayer and he's caring for our family members. So I just, I finally said, you know, I'm going to live by faith that God loves my dad and has at work in his life and that he's heard my prayer and, and in relaxing, um, it, it freed me. And I think it created a space for my dad to actually consider the claims of the gospel. Now, mm-hmm. we're talking over a decade. Yeah. Over a decade. So, I mean, it's not over a week. Um, and um, just before my father passed away, my, he received Christ. So, yeah. But think about the kind of peace that came to you from the Holy Spirit, that you were able to give it a decade. You were, you were feeling that burden, weren't you? Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah. Right. But God gave you peace in the waiting. Yeah. Um, I just, yeah, even now as I, I can just remember being struck by, he loves my dad as much as I do. And I, and I remember that about my children because mm-hmm. we can all keep, get fairly anxious around our kids and not just salvation, but just maturation issues. And, uh, as we're praying, we need to, we need to come to a place where we believe he's hearing our prayers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good word just to not. Try not to be discouraged, especially with your family. It is hard with your family, with, with family members extended. Because yeah. they know you. It's just like a prophet in, in this it's hometown. Hard. It's just like a band in their hometown. Like, <laughs> bands always break last in the town that they're from. Yeah. Because oh. people are like, I know you. Right. I know you. You practice in the garage down the street. You're uh-huh. not a superstar. You're not. Yeah. Come on. And then you go to the next city, and they're like, ah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then you come back home, and they're like, uh, maybe, uh, okay. Maybe. Right. So... Yeah. Uh, let's go to, uh, let's go to the next question. You made the comment that the church today struggles with cultural accommodation while the gospel writers resisted what must have been a real temptation to place men rather than women at the scene of the empty tomb. Can you share some of the areas that you feel the church is currently struggling with cultural accommodation? I knew this question was coming. <laughs> That's why you put it in there. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> this, uh, I think we could, I mean, there are whole podcasts dedicated to this mm. one question. I mean, dozens of podcasts. So, do you know any you can recommend? Maybe before you jump in, too. <laughs> we don't recommend any other podcast. No, no I, that's, we're trying to move T-shirts <laughs> around here. We got forty left. We got, right? No, we got we ten. Have five we have left. Left. We have five left. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly's gonna joke. No, 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 no. no I, I gave, gave away. away. <laughs> um, there are a lot of great podcasts. Uh, you know, off the top of my head. Um, I, uh, Phil Vischer's podcast with the Holy Post with Sky Jathani. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Holy Post is a good one. Uh, I listened to Russell Moore's podcast. He does a great assessment of, of popular culture. Um, yeah, and then I listen to some hyper-conservatives uh, <laughs> and some flaming liberals. And by that, I don't mean politics. I mean theology. Uh-huh. So, I, you know, I, I'm not going to... Yeah, I, yourself. Well, I just I want to kind of offer the middle of the road if I'm going to offer something publicly. So, 
Yeah, or maybe people can reach out to you if they You're want right. to learn more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. KBrady at gebible.org. <laughs> hey, just as a complete aside, um, the, um, the video we did for Easter, there was at, just like on our live services, there was a prayer at the end of the video, our Easter sermon that w- w- went out for a digital release, right? And, uh, and I've heard back from some folks that prayed the prayer oh, to receive Christ. That's, that's awesome. very cool. It's really, and that haven't been coming to church here. Wow. Isn't that fun? That's yeah. cool. Uh, praise God for that. All right. So cultural accommodation. Uh, there is theological. There is philosophical. Um, temptations to accommodate. I'll, I'll stick with the theological. The notion of God's wrath towards sin is regularly debated. Should we uh, present God as wrath-filled towards our sinfulness? Uh, the reality of hell. Uh, you know, Rob Bell's notion that love wins, meaning no one goes to hell, was Rob's point. Rob was a, a well-known preacher in the early 2000s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the notion of substitutionary atonement, that Christ took our place, that he actually suffered uh, when we should have suffered. And um, the definition of marriage. <laughs> How do you define marriage? What is marriage? Uh, the existence of the supernatural gifts isn't, should we should we really practice these types of gifts? Like, should we be, I, you know, encourage someone to lay hands on somebody and pray for their healing. Should we be doing that? I mean, that's kind of weird. And I think that the church wrestles with being the church. I think we... Um, it's interesting because um, when I was thinking about this, um, so... The authors or the, the the people that were sharing what actually happened, your point was they just laid out the facts. Right. The per, first people mm-hmm. at the tomb, the ones who gave testimony and witness to what actually happened. Culturally, if you wanted to have this movement start and be more broadly accepted culturally, you would have said, you know, someone alerted the men and then the men came and verified this, mm-hmm. which I think is a good a good point you're making. So the church, if it's Christianity at that time, they actually took the more radical, yes. quote unquote, liberal, yes, approach. They were unaccommodating to the conservative, women misogynistic yes. uh, culture. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to ask the question, what is the ch- <laughs> what is the church doing in that vein? What are, where is the church taking a more, um, a less, I hate to use the terms, conservative, traditional, traditional, where is it, where is the church, um, empowering in the, and we just use this situation, empowering women, elevating women mm-hmm. in, in this situation, where is that happening similarly mm-hmm. in the church? Can you think of anything? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the the church is called to um, thread a needle. Yeah, they live in a terrible tension. Right. It's, <laughs> it, yeah, and so I'll use the LGBTQ plus realities. So the church is charged with at one in the same time, at one in the same time, speaking truth in love. Um. And so we must, must demonstrate 
an unflinching resolve to care for people regardless of their sexual ethic and love them, welcome them in, be with them, while at the same time retaining a historically orthodox sexual ethic. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so there's a, there's a, I'll just help you out. So there's, <laughs> let me help you out here, Kelly. So there's a, what, what I would say, a traditional conservative part of the evangelical church that would say we should not be accommodating in any way, shape, or form the acceptance of anyone who would identify as LGBTQ+. In other words, and they, and, they shouldn't be coming to church if they're going to live that way. Right. Excluding or, them from fellowship. Right. That yeah. would sort of be our traditional moorings. Yeah. Or if they are coming to church, we should be preaching. Mm-hmm. Adam. Um, um, right. <laughs> right. And I can think of several sort of traditional evangelical kind of practices, conservative postures, postures and practices yeah. that the church, I think, has a unique opportunity to speak into mm-hmm. while at the same time holding firmly to biblical. I'll give you another yeah. one. Truth. Uh, let's do the racial issue. Yeah, I was just going to say there's uh, the church has the opportunity to say that both black lives matter and blue lives matter. Yeah, right. And to but we have to be able to say it in a way that is culturally relevant. We we have or, or culturally relevant or speaks to the culture and moves it in a direction towards Jesus. Right. So I I caught quite a I caught some flack uh, from some work we did over last summer on the race issue because it was front and center culturally. Um, part of the flack I, <laughs> you I, caught flack from. From both, all sides. <laughs> both. If there's only two sides, you caught it from both sides equally. Yeah. yeah. So, but your point is we need to move the needle. And, and so I want to talk about the needle that needs to be moved at Glow and Bible Church. Yeah. And so some of the flack I got was, Kelly, why didn't you condemn the Black Lives Matter riots? And I said, well, there's a lot of crime. And so when I'm asked this one-to-one, I say, well, there's a lot of crime that, that I don't publicly condemn because it seems self-evident to our congregation that that is crime. And, and rioting, destroying private property is, is a crime. More to the point, and this is what I would offer, the, our congregation, which is 95, maybe more percent white, is not tempted to riot. On this issue. On this issue, mm-hmm. right. Thank you, John. (laughs) So, you know, the first rule of public speaking is know your audience. So when you get up on a Sunday morning and you have a platform opportunity to address a congregation and help them follow after Jesus, you know your audience. You want to speak to their temptations. Our temptation at Glow and Bible Church is to pretend we don't have privileged historic Mm -hmm. positions in culture because of our skin color. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I found myself addressing with as much nuance as I could. Am I evil? 
am I saying the congregants of Glow Bible Church are evil people? Not in the least. We have to be able to say that black lives matter in a context where black lives were suffering, are suffering uniquely, where the and that blue lives matter, that the policemen who are acting justly, and there are many of them, they deserve our respect. But that's a but when I'm speaking on Sunday morning in a shepherding capacity, I need to speak to the areas of temptation that we face, mm-hmm. our flock locally right here. And in and to I pretend make, we don't have privilege is a real temptation. And I would, my point in everything that you said would be we could accommodate the culture on either side of that yes. issue. Yeah. And the, the, the point you made before about threading the needle, living in the tension, all that, like we could look at our congregation and say, these are, these are more blue lives matter people. So we're just going to. So I'm not raising the BLM. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or these are kind of more BLM people. I'm not going to talk about how we need to support those who enforce the laws we, of our we, nation or whatever. Do you get what I'm saying? And I think churches do this all the time, which is why church often there's not kind of one clear unified voice of the church is because local congregations mm-hmm. and some of them now are all over. You can find them on the internet, da, 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 all these other places. Their message is not just in their local congregation. They're accommodating to the culture that is, you're preaching to the choir. It has gathered there yeah. to try to, you know, continue to. Yeah. So we've said before. Keep their doors open. Yeah. We've said before that we're equal opportunity offenders. Yeah. Right. That um, it'll be, I think it'll be. Uh, and we are not by any stretch of the, the imagination perfect on this issue. No, we miss There's it, things right? that we accommodate that we shouldn't. There's things that we yeah. speak out against that are probably too fierce or harsh or, yeah. you know, whatever. We stick our foot in it and yeah. try to back up and get it right. Well, you're never going to thread a needle perfectly. Right. Right. If you're threading the needle, you're already saying, like, this is going to get messy. Right. Mm-hmm. I. It's a very, this is a huge issue in con- conversation, cultural accommodation within the church. And churches understanding, supporting, agreeing together. I mean, we, we, we are seeing, whether you believe it all or not, I mean, the foundation of the evangelical church being rattled right now. Mm-hmm. Those who study, write, read, teach on evangelicalism mm-hmm. are saying this is different. What's going on with race, Christian nationalism, mm-hmm. the election? Mm-hmm. Um, homosexuality, what's being taught in public schools. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are, there are this myriad of issues that the evangelical church is trying to navigate mm-hmm. shepherd. And, and collectively and different churches that mm-hmm. are right next to each other in the same community are taking very different positions. Mm-hmm. The church in its, its political um, standing is being questioned, and I mean, there's all sorts of of things going on, which to me is always, you know, it's challenging, but one is, and we've said it over and over here, is God has call, called us to 501 Hillside, to this county, mm-hmm. these people, this is where we pa- pastor and shepherd. Not that we don't have national or statewide or whatever, conversations or not that we're looking at those things, but man, the importance of knowing your flock and having relationships with the people here and moving that needle, like you said, to 
bringing people through that sanctification process to be more like Jesus. I mean, that's the the mission. I get I get nervous of people feeling like they got to shepherd the country, and I think that's when big C church. You know, we are using all the churchy, all the church, big C church. <laughs> but what I like, I mean, I, in it. That's, when, that's when they step in it. Though, is, is when they try we to do too much. Globally, but yeah. act locally. <laughs> We're local. 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 All right, Beth, go. No, I just, I, I think the posture you guys take toward it opens the door to conversation because I would imagine there's a lot of churches that are preaching at the congregation, what they think they want to hear maybe, or yeah, what the church sure. wants to hear. But when there's an open dialogue, I think we can accomplish a lot more. And so I appreciate that that's the posture here is how do we, how do we talk about all of these things in a way that's relevant and in a way that's honoring God and that can actually move the mm-hmm. trajectory. So I think there's, you guys, yeah, you might miss the mark sometimes. I can't think of any times where I'm like, wow, they really missed that one. But the humility that you guys would say, we're not getting this perfectly and let's talk about these yeah. things, I think speaks a lot too. Yeah, that's a good word. I Thanks, hope so. Beth. Mm-hmm. All right. You guys she are doing great. Beth's invited back. <laughs> <laughs> we feel better now. We can end. That's all the questions we have for you today. But if you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text the Next Level Podcast, 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, but also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that Scripture is a primary means for getting to know Him, and our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thank you for joining us, and thank you listeners for tuning in to the next level. Prophecy.